Good morning, church. It is, it is great to be with you once again. The last time I was here, you were doing renovations. And uh, I almost threw my jacket at that time because it was warm then onto the dusty stage. But uh, thankfully, that uh, I stopped short of doing that. And, uh, but it's good to be. You've got a beautiful, beautiful sanctuary front now. It looks uh, just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you this morning. Uh, I want to, and thanks for that great introduction, Maureen. Uh, you're very kind. Uh, the only other thing I don't do is stand-up comedy for churches. Uh, I just save that for assembly when, uh, when I'm here for that. I want to thank you, though, for your financial gifts and your prayer support for the conference. Uh, and I want to acknowledge the absolute great job Forest Grove did in hosting the assembly. I mean, give yourselves a round of applause. You guys were just absolutely awesome. Uh, well done. And uh, it was very good. I have uh, come to deeply appreciate uh, the staff uh, here at Forest Grove Pastoral and Support Staff. And uh, just great people, uh, all of them. You're so blessed. All three sites, you're so blessed with the people that, that you've called to lead you. They're good people. Plus, I do love the, the decision to move to Road Coffee here at Forest Grove. Um, oh, sorry, was that a staff secret that's now out? Sorry about that. But you guys, uh, Road Coffee is the best here in Saskatoon. As Maureen said, my, my role is one of uh, being a support to the churches in our conference of making disciples. We are indeed on mission together, and my role is just to come alongside, whether it's staff, whether it's uh, leadership teams, uh, in doing whatever I can to make sure that uh, uh, you are, are making disciples uh, for the name of Christ. Uh, I don't want to talk about, and I, at least on stage, about uh, the work of the Saskatchewan Conference. I'd rather have that uh, discussion over coffee, so I'll be in the foyer uh, having, uh, maybe having road coffee with you. Uh, or church coffee, uh, and uh, just just love to talk to you about what we're doing as a conference and the way we're uh, reaching out to, to the churches and what we're doing with them as well. Uh, my heart is really get to the Word. Amen? Oh boy, we got work to do. Um, okay, uh, well, let's do a little bit of warm-up here. Like, I love amens during my sermons. Hallelujahs are a great backup. Now, I noticed you have three sites here. So I'm totally going to pitch you against each other. Like, okay. Uh, so uh, let's go with Atridge site. Let's see how you do your amen. amen. Okay. Uh, North site. Okay, Maureen, did you invite North site to come? Okay, North site and Broadway. Okay, that pitting you against each other idea is, is sunk. Uh, you know, and I, I, I know that some of us, at least my age, we, we kind of are more the reserved and we don't like to say amen or hallelujah very much. I, I have been transformed, and your church is all about transformation. So I've been transformed. I'm a big amen and hallelujah guy. So I love it when, when you, you know, if there's anything worth saying that I, you know, that you appreciated me saying that you, you know, recognize that. If it's very quiet, I might leave the stage early. Um, but, and, you know, and for some of you, well, that's not very biblical to do that. Um, I, well, then I welcome you to raise your Bible and say amen or hallelujah. Okay, then it's, oh, we got work to do. 
We've got work to do. Let's just get to the Word. But let me, let me lead you in prayer before we do that. Uh, precious Father, I thank you uh, for your presence here with us. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We just welcome you here today. And Holy Spirit, I pray that in some way, in some fashion, by some means, you would transform our hearts so that we would be more like Jesus when we leave here this morning than when we came. That you would touch our minds, our hearts. You would literally transform us. I thank you in advance for what you laid on my heart to share. Just grant me that which I need to share it faithfully. In Jesus' name, amen. I asked the Holy Spirit to lay on my heart uh, something for you. And uh, after, after a time of prayer, he just gave me a word, literally a word to bring to you. Jesus. To tell them about Jesus. Tell them simply about Jesus. And I hope to do that this morning. A little, uh, little bit of a story here. Shortly after I started my new role here, that was in October 2016, I was culling uh, a whole bunch of my paper copies of my sermons. I had about 950 sermons from 25 years of preaching. And I, I journeyed through these 6,700 typed pages of notes. Uh, I did some quick math. That's about 2 million words, over 2 million words. Took me about 400 hours to preach. Okay, that's not impressing anyone. Took me 400 hours to preach these, about that. And as I sat there amongst this pile of sermons, I thought to myself, if, if these scripts, if these preaching scripts were all that people had to discover the message of my one life, what would they say it was? What would they say about the 25 years that I've poured into preaching? Did they hear the message of Jesus? And there was a God moment at that point, and and the Spirit of God just moved me to, at that time, rededicate myself to proclaiming Jesus. He of whom the, the Scriptures, and it's our text this morning, whom God exalted to the highest place, And to whom God gave the name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every single knee should bow. That every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is glory to God the Father. Amen? Amen. You see, often believers, and I know this is true of me, they they lose sight of the nature and the power and the character and the compassion and the love and the work of Jesus. We take him for granted. I don't, I don't think you're any different than me. We struggle with that. It seems to be in our nature that we take for granted the one we are to love the most. Our first love is to be Jesus and And I would venture to say that the most faithful amongst us needs to be a constant reminder of how great a gift Jesus is. 
And I want to remind you this morning how great a gift Jesus is. Because there is no gift that's greater. So who is this Jesus? Well, this this Jesus is the Son of Almighty God. He is the very Word of God, Scripture says. He is the wisdom of God. My Jesus is the firstborn from all creation, or over all creation, I should say. All things were created by Him, through Him, and for Him. And He is the one that holds all of creation together. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. We sang this morning, my Jesus is Emmanuel, God, with us. I don't think we we park on that word very long. God with us. My Jesus is the radiance of God's glory, Scripture says. He's the exact representation of His being. Even history is anchored to my Jesus. It is now Anno Domini, or A.D., the year of our Lord Jesus, 2018. My Jesus is a king. In fact, Scripture says He's the king of kings. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of earth. He's the king of righteousness. His kingdom is both present and coming. It's both powerful and it's eternal at the same time. My Jesus is king. And my question, is he your king? Is he your king? My Jesus is Lord. He's the Lord of Lords, Scripture says. He's the Lord of the living and the dead. And again, my question is, is he your Lord? The Bible says that Jesus is, is the Son of Man. He's the Christ. He's the Anointed One. Jesus is the Lamb of God. He's the, he's the bright morning star. To those who love Him, my Jesus is the living stone. He is the foundation stone. He's the cornerstone. He's the capstone. For those who don't love Jesus, He becomes a stone upon which they will stumble and fall. That's my Jesus. My Jesus is the bread of life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the resurrection and the life. My Jesus is life. Am I describing your Jesus? My Jesus is the Good Shepherd. He has compassion for sinners, heals the sick, defends the weak. Scripture says the Spirit of God came upon my Jesus. In fact, Almighty God said of my Jesus, This is my Son whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. And then He closes and says, Listen to Him. He was anointed to preach good news to the poor, to announce the year of the Lord's favor, to proclaim freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim justice to the nations. My Jesus gives rest for the weary. Are you weary? My Jesus is a Savior. He's a deliverer. He's a worker of miracles. 
He made the blind to see, the deaf to hear. He raised the dead, and he calmed the storms of the sea. He's the good news of great joy. He's the gospel of God Almighty. That's my Jesus. Am I describing your Jesus? My Jesus accepts you exactly where you are, but he won't leave you there. Because my Jesus is a redeemer. He's a sanctifier. He's a transformer. My Jesus loves me as if I'm the only person on earth to love. And guess what? He loves you exactly that way. It's prophesied about my Jesus that he would be a suffering servant, that he would be despised and rejected. It was, it was foretold that he would be pierced and crushed for the terrible things I did. That's right, terrible things I did. Terrible things I am doing. The terrible things I will do. It says, by his wounds, by his death, I would receive healing. See, Jesus is the greatest news this earth has ever heard. My Jesus is a sinless high priest who is able to recognize and identify and sympathize exactly with you. He's the only one mediator between you and God. My Jesus is also not just a priest, but he's also the sacrifice, perfect and divine, for my sins. He gave his life for me. His very name, Jesus, means the Lord saves. And he was given that name, according to Matthew, because he would be one who saves his people from their sins. He paid my penalty, took upon himself the curse that condemned me. My Jesus said, whoever hears my word believes him who sent me as eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. That's my Jesus. My Jesus carried and covered and forgave all of my sins. I am today the aroma of Christ to to God Almighty. That's my Jesus. Is that your Jesus? And there's so much more. My Jesus didn't stay in the grave. My Jesus rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. My Jesus defeated sin, he defeated the devil, and he defeated death. Amen? He sits at the right hand of God Almighty, intervening on your behalf. He's the spring of purpose. He's the the fountain of joy. He's the source of hope. That's my Jesus. And I'm incredibly excited about him. Am I describing the Jesus you believe in? My Jesus calls you to respond to his love and to his sacrifice. He said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Billy Graham said, salvation is free, but discipleship costs everything we have. It does. What a small price to pay 
for all that Jesus has done for me and for who Jesus is in Himself. My Jesus blesses without measure. He gives peace beyond understanding. He brings freedom from addiction, from bondage, from despair. You know, His, his promises are sure. His grace is sufficient. And His yoke is light. He will transform your heart. He will transform your thinking. He will transform your very spirit. He will redeem your world. That's my Jesus. I love Charles Spurgeon's words when he said, I have a great Christ. I have a great need for Christ. And I have a great Christ for my need. Jesus is my foundation. The Bible says there is no foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. Jesus is also my identity. I am his beloved. I am his beloved. Is Jesus your foundation? Is being Jesus' beloved your, identify, your identity? Is that, is that how you see yourself as the beloved of Jesus? That's how he wants you to see yourself. I wonder how many of us really do see ourselves that way. My Jesus says who I am, sees who I am right now and who I was created to become. You see, he believes I am more than what I or others think. I want you to hear that. He believes I am more than what I or others think. You see, Jesus sees past my problems and he sees my potential. I want to read a a poem to you. It's called You Are More. It goes like this. You're more than the cells that make up your frame, more than the letters that spell out your name. You're more than the ideas that float in your mind, more than the feelings, no matter what kind. You're more than the choices you make each day, more than the expressions you give on the way. You're more than the worries that grip your heart, more than the fears that rip you apart. You're more than the dreams that sometimes distract. You're more than the hopes that move you to act. You're more than the ailment that robs your well-being, more than the stubbornness that keeps you from seeing. You're more than your finite points of view, more than the goals you now pursue. You're more than the history that so shapes your present, more than the relationships that sometimes aren't pleasant. You're more than your reputation or diplomas on the wall, more than the awards hung up in your hall. You're more than the doubts that shake your convictions, more than the questions that shatter your nonfiction. You're more than the shortcomings that litter your life, more than the weaknesses that instill in you strife. You're more than your habits, good or bad. You're more than the addiction that drives you mad. You're more than your mistakes, your sins, your errors. You're more than all the stuff that comprises your cares. You are simply more. You are the beloved of God, a child of the King, a, purpose, a person of purpose with something to bring. 
You were a treasure cherished to the core, a saint who in Christ Jesus is always, always more. Amen. There's no middle ground with Jesus, though. You can't sit on the fence with Jesus. Either you are for him or you are against him. You are following or you're forsaking. You're aligned or you're ashamed. You're in or you're out. You're a disciple or you're a dissenter. Jesus himself said, who is not, whoever is not for me is against me. He who disowns me, I will disown. He who loves something or someone more than me is not worthy of me. Who is your first love? Who should be the center? Why should Jesus be the center of our life? He should be the center of life because of who he is. Colossians 1 19 to 20. For God was well pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus and through him reconcile himself to all things, whether things on earth and things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Making Jesus the center of our life results in in two things. One, incredible joy. The Bible uses the word inexpressible joy. That's one side. The other side means that you will face the temptations and the trials in some manner that Jesus faced. You see, there's no crown with Jesus unless you also are in the crucible with Jesus. Those two are always together. You know, we often desire to make someone or something the center of our lives. We're kind of like the prodigal son. We often are tempted to choose a path of destruction as opposed to the way to the Father. We want to do our thing, and Jesus calls us to do His will. We, We want to do what's comfortable and convenient, and Jesus calls us to suffer for his, his sake. We want to meet our needs. And Jesus says, no, I want you to meet the needs of other people. We want success. And Jesus says, no, I want you to sacrifice. Like John the Baptist, the word to us is, Jesus must increase and we must decrease. That's what Paul was getting at when he said in Galatians 2.20, he said, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And this life I live in the body, I no longer live for me, but I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. All right, we've got to recalibrate here. I'm just excited about Jesus, folks. I could go on and on and on. The Bible teaches us that we are to have the attitude of Jesus. That we are to have the mind of Jesus. That we are to fix our thoughts on Jesus. That we're to fix our eyes on Jesus. That we're to fix our faith on Jesus. And that we are to walk as Jesus walked. 
Jesus is the fullest revelation of God that we have. So if you want to know, well, what, what is God like, you look to Jesus. If you want to know what God thinks of you, you look to Jesus. If you want to know how God works amongst us, you look to Jesus. And so now when you approach the Scriptures and when you read the Bible, we are to do that with the eyes of Jesus. And when we study the Bible, we're to do that with the mind of Jesus. And we, when we apply the truths of Scripture, we're to do it with the heart of Jesus. A wise man once says, I absolutely believe in the infallible Word of God, and His name is Jesus. That brings a whole different approach to looking at Scripture if you do it with that lens. And by the way, that's historically the Anabaptist MB approach of looking at Scripture. Jesus has taught me some things, folks. He's taught me, he's taught me to forgive those who hurt me 70 times 7. I think I'm almost at the li- uh, that limit. I can take it easy, but I'm not sure. I don't think that was the principle he had in mind. He has taught me to pray for my enemies. He's taught me to, to treat others as I want them to treat me. He, he's taught me, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. He's taught me not to worry because the Father in heaven knows everything about my needs before even I do. What's Jesus taught you? What's Jesus teaching you right right now? What's Jesus teaching you today? You should be learning something new about Jesus every single day. Because there is no end to what he can teach you. That's why he said, you know, ask, seek, knock, and I'll respond. Are you abiding with Jesus? Are you obedient to Jesus' teaching? Are you committed to Jesus? Are you on mission? For Jesus, my father lives in an assisted uh, living residence in Abbotsford, BC. And when my youngest brother died a couple years ago of cancer, um, he orchestrated and supported and and sponsored the building of a, a large gazebo on the site of this living assistance residence. And all along, for, for the longest time, I believed that that it was to be a, a memorial. You know, there's a plaque on it of of my brother, and, you know, it was just to dedicate it to him, and I thought, oh, you know, great. And it wasn't until just last month when one of the managers of that residence uh, told me, well, do you know the real reason your dad built that gazebo? He built it so that Edward's children, all of whom do not follow Jesus, when they visited my father, could sit in that gazebo and talk about Jesus. His desire that the Holy Spirit would would bless that spot that whenever Edward's children would come, they would encounter the Spirit of the living God. Every time I visit my dad, we, uh, and I know I'm going to be there one day, is uh, like I hear the same stories. Doesn't matter if I'm away a week or a year or whatever, 
the same stories. And he, but one of the things I so deeply appreciate about him is he says, you know, Philip, I, I'm still fishing. My dad wasn't a fisherman by any stretch of the imagination. He never passed that down to us either. My dad loves Jesus, and he's fishing for the hearts of people. He wants people to know Jesus. Jesus told us, you know, we're the light, we're the salt, we're the people that are to be building metaphorically gazebos in the hearts of people, in places where they can account, encounter Jesus. We're on a mission. You know, the Lord of the harvest has called us out. We're to make disciples. And so, do you speak of Jesus? You tell others that he's the answer to those big life questions. That he's the source of wisdom. That he's the source of deliverance. That he's the good shepherd, the, etern- the eternal person for whom we can get eternal life. He's the way to the Father. You know, if Jesus isn't on our hearts and on our minds and on our lips... Like what, what grander thing is there? Honestly, what grander thing is there than the Jesus I've just described to you this morning? Do people see Jesus in you? Do they see His love in you? His grace in you? Do they see His peace in you? Do they see His forgiveness in you? His kindness in you? Do they see His sacrificial heart in you? Why is this a big deal? because your gospel will fall flat unless they do. Your gospel will fall flat if they don't see Jesus in you. And lastly, do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? You see, I'm one of these guys that I I don't believe in luck, I don't believe in random occurrences. I think you're here Because God wanted you to be here this morning. I think there's something He wants you to hear this morning. I think there's something He wants you to do this morning. Some way He wants you to respond. If you love Jesus this morning, you know, God bless you. I encourage you to keep on serving Him well. And I hope this message inspires you. If you're taking Jesus for granted, maybe that's where you're at. You're saying, Phil, you know, I love Jesus, but boy, like I, I'm not there. I'm not there. I take Jesus for granted. I'm lukewarm with Jesus. You know, I've been there. Pastors get there. But you have the power to do something about it. If you don't know Jesus, I, this Jesus I'm describing you, I'm already over time, I better speed this up. There is no peace, true peace, without this Jesus. You'll always have that emptiness in your heart without Jesus. My Jesus loves you incredibly, and he wants to be part of your life. He's the Prince of Peace. You know, to have this Jesus, it's so simple. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that He is Lord, that He's King, 
believe in your heart that he's done all this work on the cross for you, that he rose again. Here's follower. Here's beloved. Don't you want to be there? Jesus, what a, what a beautiful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. What a powerful name it is. Nothing compares to his. his. He is the kingdom. He's the glory. My Jesus has no rival or equal. And his name is above all names. And if that's the Jesus that you want to know, you know, talk to one of the staff, Maureen or Kevin or myself. I want you to know this Jesus. Because he'll change your life forever. God bless you. Make you an incredible blessing to others.